Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Loss, a painful subject, but a subject so near to so many women. I feel it's incredibly important to process these types of events. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco. This is episode 65, and I want to be completely transparent about the content of this episode, as I understand that even the mere mention of miscarriage and infant loss can bring a mother and father to their knees with a wave of grief. And this episode goes into detail about Ashley's experience with loss, how it affected her life, how it affected her subsequent pregnancy, and how it has changed her as a woman today. I am so grateful for her willingness to share, and to those who need to hear it, I pray this episode serves as a glimmer of hope or a message that you are not alone. Now, before we jump into today's interview, I would like to go ahead and thank the reviewer of the week, and that is Kay Carter 4 who says, informative, inspirational, and fun. This has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. My first daughter was born at a birth center, and we are quickly approaching a home birth of daughter number two. It is so inspiring to hear other stories of mothers who have rocked their births, and I love hearing their stories as I prepare for mine. Thank you so much, Kay Carter 4 If you'll email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I'll be sending you a Happy Home Birth Podcast sticker. And same with last week's winner, E. My Ferrari. I forgot to say email me, but of course, if you guys ever are the reviewer of the week, please email me and I will get you that sticker. Also, don't forget that Give Birth on Your Turf t-shirts are out and once you purchase them, they will be shipping to you very quickly um, because Bonfire, the platform that I'm using, it they've changed their policies. So yep, they can be shipped really, really quickly. Go check those out. Thank you so much for supporting the show in that way. And that is all I have for you guys today. Take a screenshot right now of you listening to the episode if you wouldn't mind and upload it to your stories. Tag Happy Home Birth Podcast and use the hashtag Give Birth on Your Turf. I will be sharing that in my stories. All right, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. Please enjoy this episode. Ashley is just such an incredible woman, mother, doula, and I know you are going to learn so much from her today. So remember that the opinions of my guests not, might not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. Neither one of us are medical providers, so continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to have you too. And before we launch into your story, I'd love for you to start by introducing yourself to the listeners. Oh, of course. Um, my name is Ashley Macon. I am married to the love of my life. His name is Kevin. And um, my daughter, uh, Isabella, is two and a half years old right now. And um, oh. yeah, she's a sweetheart. She's my she's my little mini, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I work as a doula, and I'm actually studying to become a childbirth educator at the moment, and um, I'm really absolutely loving this work. That's amazing. I, I love talking to other birth workers just because, you know, there's like an immediate connection. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, I would love for us to start at the beginning of your story. I know that your first experience with pregnancy 
actually ended with a loss. And I know that that can be very hard to, to begin with, but chronologically, of course, it's nice to know where you're coming from and how that experience has affected everything that you've gone through since. So would you mind sharing that with us? Of course, of course. I, um, I, um, so my first birth, I was really young. I was 21 years old. I was a student, freshly married, and officially off of my parents' insurance. Mm. <laughs> so I ended up going through the Medicaid system of care, and I did what many people do. I, um, I went to my OBGYN, and I followed direction of standard care, and I went to Barnes & Noble and bought what to expect when you're expecting. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I knew nothing about my body outside of the basics I le- learned in school. Um, I didn't really know that I needed any more education uh, other than what my care provider offered, which was not much. <laughs> and I wasn't really given any resources. I, I um, had no idea that I should seek out more resources either. Um, I think more than anything, I remember just being awestruck at that immediate deep connection that I felt with my baby. And um, I expected to go to my appointments and then have my baby. And I was really more focused on, at the time, how I was going to take care of my baby after she was born. I was going to be, you know, not only a mother, but a wife, a student. Um, you know, I was kind of starting my life out. And how, how was I going to make this work? Um, and then at uh, 19 weeks, I lost my baby. It was right around 19 weeks. Um, And my parents were with me through the entire experience. My body went into labor, and I just remember this devastating feeling of fear and loss. Um, This was something that I hadn't even considered as a possibility. It hadn't even crossed my mind. Um, In my mind, I had reached that second semester safe zone. (laughs) So I really just couldn't even believe this was happening. It was extremely shocking. Um, And my care provider met me at the emergency room. I wasn't really addressed about what was happening to me during the experience. I was very panicked. And I remember being treated as if I were an inconvenience, like Mm. I was being dramatic through the entire process. Um, And it was, uh, I think, shocking for my entire family who witnessed it. And uh, I went to my follow-up appointment. I was basically uh, given a sales pitch for an antidepressant without even being asked how I was feeling. And I was sent home, no resources, nothing to kind of pick up the pieces. Um, And I remember feeling that my emotions were just not valid. Um, My care provider had not even really covered how I was feeling emotionally. Um, And I felt like... I felt at the time like I really needed their permission to feel the way I was feeling. I, um, if a professional, if, if an expert doesn't see the need to cover emotions, you know, then I was basically just sick and I'm better now and I should move on. Um, and it was a very taboo subject of conversation. My peers hadn't really experienced anything like it. And people within my community gave me responses like, you know, well, at least you're young. Um, oh, my uh, gosh. Everything happens for a reason. You know, those are really <laughs> difficult <clears throat> to process and ex- accept. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wounds were really too deep to talk with my parents about it. Uh, and they really did the best they could to support me. 
but I didn't really know how to process. So I just did the best I could to bury it and forget about it. Um, but I couldn't, I, I blamed myself for my baby's death. Um, and I felt like I'd allowed all of these stress, um, of my current situation to affect my health, which caused me to miscarry, which was not the case at all, but it's a really common response to loss. Um, and I left my husband. I moved home. I went into this self-inflicted isolation and I just licked my wounds and moved on with my life. Um, it messed me up really bad. Um, I threw myself into work. I maximized my struggles with this high-functioning anxiety uh, to become better at my job. <laughs> and I really struggled with that anxiety and depression uh, balance. Uh, and it took me about nearly six years to, to get to the point of actually finding and reaching out for help. Um, and I started going to therapy. Therapy is it saved my life. It was the most amazing thing that I could have experienced. Um, I was lucky to find a therapist that I identified with and connected with immediately. And uh, he introduced me to meditation and yoga, and this just changed my world. Um, and I felt like this inner me that I had thought I had lost forever, um, this hole was slowly beginning to reawaken, and this hole was disappearing. Um, or shrinking, um, if anything. And, um, and then once I felt right with myself again, I met this amazing man, my husband, Kevin, <laughs> um, and we knew we wanted a child pretty quickly. I was, um, in my late twenties, he was in his early thirties. And, um, I had been previously diagnosed with endometriosis. So I'd been told it would take me longer to conceive and it would be more difficult the longer that I waited. And, um, we just wanted to, you know, take our time and not feel a lot of added pressure because of those um, conversations we had had. And um, I ended up getting pregnant a month later. <laughs> of course. Kevin was extremely supportive. He knew my past and he supported me in my decision to work with midwives at a local birth center. Um, but I just really wasn't prepared for the amount of anxiety that I experienced in my pregnancy. Um, fear of enduring that loss that I had experienced before was just debilitating. And I was too afraid to really talk about it with anyone because I thought that verbalizing my fears would bring them to life. Mm. And I even knew in the moment that that was not logical, but it, um, it was something I just couldn't change that crippling fear. It was like a weight on my tongue. Um, I worked in a really high-stress job at the time. I was a multi-unit office manager for a local spa, and um, I was managing three businesses, <laughs> and um, that added to my anxiety levels. I had stopped meditation practices, and I had stopped going to yoga because I didn't have time anymore. Uh, so at that point in my life, flowing with things was definitely not a developed skill for me. <laughs> And um, I, was, I was much more uh, in that type A dictator type mentality when I went into my pregnancy. And I, I think the hypervigilance um, to protect myself against a negative care provider situation also had me um, on edge. I, um, I was going to have a water birth. <laughs> And uh, I was going to have this beautiful, romantic, peaceful, magical experience that I had seen in all these pictures. 
Um, and I really left no room for anything to happen differently from that. Uh, so I had basically created these unrealistic expectations in my head, uh, like I could dictate or control my experience, um, which is just silly, but I think it was me. My anxiety was grasping for straws to feel control in that situation. Um, and Kevin was traveling internationally through my entire pregnancy. He was uh, going back and forth to Germany um, for two months at a time. And we really decided it was best for me to stop working and my third trimester and focus on preparation. Um, so I took this amazing six-week childbirth education course, Hypnobabies, and um, treated it as if it were a college course. Like it was my career. <laughs> such a fantastic way to look at it. I really, really um, loved having that that time. Um, I practice constantly, like two or three times a day, and I made it. It made a really huge difference in how I felt through the rest of my pregnancy because it basically took the place of the meditation I had been doing before. Um, and I, uh, I utilized all that time to organize and prepare myself for birth and the postpartum period. Um, my mom took my hypnobabies classes with me when my husband was out overseas and he would call me from Germany and we would practice together. So everyone was really working together to build a really awesome experience. Um, uh, and then when I learned about doula support, I actually decided that I, I didn't need a doula. I would be my own doula. Um, <laughs> I thought I could advocate for myself and that my family could offer that physical and emotional support that I needed. Um, and I had in that, that underlying fear and mistrust of care providers from my previous experience, I hadn't really worked through all of that. And it's only in retrospect that I, that I see how it affected my pregnancy and my birthing experience. I, I probably would have benefited from a smaller practice where I could create a better bond and trusting relationship with my care provider before my birth, <laughs> but I had no way of realizing that in the time. I was very tunnel visioned. Um, and there was one particular midwife at the practice, though, that I had been extremely helpful at easing my anxieties during my pregnancy, and she happened to be the midwife on call when I went into labor. So oh, I was just... That's <laughs> I was so excited to have her as my midwife, um, and uh, my inner type A was really excited that things were going to plan, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and the goal was, of course, to labor as long as possible at home and then move toward the birthing center, but due to a history of high pain tolerance, I was really uh, nervous that we would wait too long, <laughs> um, because, you know, with your, with your first, you don't really have anything, you know, there's that uncertainty yeah, involved. There's no schema. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, I spent all this time preparing to advocate for myself and work through this physical process of birth in the postpartum period that I had actually neglected planning my early labor experience. And um, I hadn't factored in the psychological aspects of birth. I was expecting hypno babies to like help me tunnel vision through the experience and be over with, <laughs> which is kind of the way I work with um, any other type of work. So I, um, uh, I ended up pacing the uh, the living room in the dark <laughs> while Kevin slept he had been working since like three o'clock the morning before so um he was getting some rest he knew he knew it was happening but 
So I paced the living room in the dark. I didn't turn the television on. I didn't turn the lights on. I was just so excited. <laughs> and, um, and it turns out I was really, I was a vocal laborer and it makes perfect sense because I'm an auditory processor. I studied opera for years. So I'm not really surprised that I consistently sounded like a drunk moose during my labor experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I ended up waking Kevin up at a certain point and we decided to go in for a check and see how I was doing. Um, and when we arrived at the birthing center, which was around midnight, I was really embarrassed to find out that I was only like one centimeter dilated. Mm. So we went home and uh, I, I went to labor some more. And I tried to rest at that point, but I was having back labor, which kept me from getting comfortable. And um, by 7 a.m., we were back at the birth center. I was only three and a half centimeters, and I was really discouraged and upset. Um, so the midwife actually went ahead and admitted me, which is against policy. They were supposed to wait until five, <laughs> but uh, I think she thought that it would help me emotionally to be settled in one place. Um, so I was still experiencing back labor at that point, and Kevin and my mom were working tirelessly to help relieve that. Um, we tried rebozo sifting. We tried whatever positions we could remember from the childbirth ed class. And of course, I wasn't, I wasn't in that conversation because I was definitely in my own head. Um, but nothing really seemed to help other than water and a combined effort of hip compressions and counterpressure on my lower back. Right. <laughs> so... Um, Kevin would have my hips with full strength and my mom would have my lower back with full strength. And, um, I was in and out of the birthing tub because we would get too comfortable in the water and my, my labor would stall. <laughs> mm. So at this point, nothing was going to plan. And psychologically I be began to panic and work myself into those cyclical thinking patterns. And I was really stuck in that fear, pain, tension cycle. Which sucks <laughs> because I was only at this point, what, three and a half centimeters. So I had a long way to go. Um, and then after that, the shift actually changed and I was given a new midwife. And this midwife I had never met before. Oh boy. So it caused my anxiety to grow some more. But she was very, very um, respectful. She was, um, she paid attention to my birth plan, which was extremely rigid. <laughs> Um, but she remained as hands-off as possible because I was very adamant about minimal intervention. Um, and she really uh, didn't get involved until she needed to. And she kind of let us do our thing. And uh, we just, we tried everything. So um, at 1 p.m., she checked me and told me that I had finally made it to five centimeters. Mm -hmm. And I was just demoralized. Um, I... Uh, after a while, I started having pushing sensations, which we thought was a good sign. And she checked me again. There wasn't much progress. So uh, she suggested breaking my waters to speed things along. Um, and I didn't really want any intervention. So we waited a little longer before trying that. But when we did, it was just instant relief. Um, and we tried dancing for a little while and a few other active positions I was just exhausted at this point. I um, I had I had planned to bring. I had all these nice smoothies made for my birth and my labor, and I had refused to eat or drink anything until this point. Mm. Um, so I was literally going on zero energy since eight p.m. the night before. 
And uh, the midwife set me up on the bed with the peanut so I could rest for a while, and my labor just stalled. And um, nothing Kevin or my mom could do or say would help me. Um, I could see the emotions on their face, and I, I simply didn't believe them when they told me that I could do this. Um, I saw that they they felt my, my pain, and um, I was just too exhausted to finish this. Um, and then the most amazing thing happened. I had this stranger midwife <laughs> come down to my level and, um, and lean down next to my ear. And she said, Ashley, remember that this is not happening to you. This is something that you're doing. Mm. And I got this huge rush <laughs> of energy when I realized that I was doing this. And I had this amazing team who was there to help me and support me. And everyone in that room had my back. And I was able to let go of that. Um, and it was really one of the most profound moments of my life. Um, and it wasn't long after that that we began pushing. Wow. <laughs> and I had been having some heart rate issues, and we were at a point of getting her out now or transferring to the hospital. So I pushed for about 20 minutes, and Isabella was born at 9.05 p.m. Wow. Yeah, so um, it was really just an amazing transformational experience for me, um, and it was even more mind-blowing because it was so opposite of my previous experience. Um, and then I ended up having a difficult postpartum experience as well. Um, nothing could have prepared me for that. I thought my pregnancy was difficult. Um, healing was great because I had done all of this preparation for physical healing, but I hadn't really learned much about this paradigm shift that occurs during postpartum. And, um, and then Kevin was traveling again. He had to leave uh, for Germany when Bella was three weeks old. Mm -hmm. So we moved in with my parents for help while he was gone. And, um, Bella was a really clingy baby. She cried constantly. I was struggling with supply issues and I became really obsessed in an unhealthy way about successfully breastfeeding. So there was a lot at play. Um, and it took about five months for us to work everything out physically. But then I struggled psychologically for much longer. It kind of, um, it took me a while to get out of that survival mode that I felt like I was in in those early months. Um, but I joined mom groups uh, to try and get out of the house. You know, I had gone from a full, uh, very busy career to sitting around trying to nurse. <laughs> right. and, um, so I joined a few mom groups and I, I went to several play dates and I, I just really wanted to get out there and socialize a little bit after after being cooped up on a couch trying to nurse for so long. And um and I didn't feel, um, I felt a lot of separation. I felt separated from everyone. I felt misunderstood and awkward. And I just, I was unrecognizable to myself um, and everyone that I knew emotionally and physically. Um, so it took me about a year to really finally feel semi-normal again. Um, but I didn't really come out of that fog until about a month or two after we stopped nursing. Uh, so it took a while and, um, and at that point, after that year mark, I did, I started researching, um, I, I wanted to understand the psychological aspects of pregnancy, birth, and the postpartum period. I, I hadn't really learned a lot of that beforehand. 
And, um, and to this day, I'm still learning as much as I possibly can about not only the physiological aspects and how to support women through these experiences, but the psychological aspects as well and the way that our brains actually change during the birth and postpartum period. And it's just fascinating. And I've just fallen in love with the whole subject. Wow. Yep. That is, that is fascinating. And so interesting the hormonal play and all. Yes. Oh, very much so. Gosh, the fact that like it continued, this continued until, until you ended your nursing relationship. Like, doesn't that just show you, I mean, we forget, we forget just how much our hormones are affecting everything and just how different our hormones can be while we're breastfeeding and not only you know, sometimes it's like, oh, well, I'm pregnant, so I'm hormonal. And, oh, I'm, you know, a month postpartum, so I'm hormonal. And then kind of after that six-week mark, maybe it's like, oh, people sort of expect you to be back to normal. And they do. To- and you get a lot of eye rolls when you're like two years postpartum and saying, oh, well, I'm just having a hormonal day. <laughs> but um, I'm a mom now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> So, but it took me, um, I remember like a couple of months after I stopped nursing, I woke up one day and I was like, wow, I feel like myself again. Like, what is this? I'm not in this weird fog. And it was just amazing. But um, it's, it's mind blowing how our body works and how it all works together with everything else, uh, psychologically and emotionally. Um, Absolutely. And so all of this, it seems like, was that kind of the catalyst for your decision to um, enter the doula field and to yes. do the fourth education? Awesome. I'd love yes. to Yes. So I, um, I became obsessed with uh, learning as much as I could about these subjects because they were subjects that I had not even heard of, or if I had heard of them, they were just not talked about. Um, so I, I wanted to learn as much as possible, and I wanted to help other people uh, not experience what I experienced but I, I was very cautious about it. I just researched and researched for about two years. Um, I, I didn't want to dive into something that I was in the midst of because of the excitement of me experiencing it for the first time. I wanted to know it was something that I was serious about. Um, but I waited until uh, January of this year to really start on my doula journey. Um, I, um, I just feel like there's such an importance of having proper support through the entire process, birth, pregnant or pregnancy, birth, postpartum, especially for women who have experienced birth after loss. I mean, um, and it's, it's more common than we realize. I mean, we have one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage and one in 160 end in stillbirth. And then those numbers don't even include infant death due to preterm labor or difficult diagnoses or SIDS. And then 58 to 80% of these women who have experienced this perinatal loss, they become pregnant again within 12 to 18 months. That barely gives you time to process what you've been through before you go through it again. Um, And going into that next pregnancy with all of these things that you haven't processed yet. Um, Yeah, with pain. Yeah, exactly. And um, after a pregnancy and infant loss, it's so common to experience that grief and confusion and anxiety and guilt and even that fear of loss, uh, which I really did experience during my pregnancy. Um, And women who are pregnant after loss actually are at an increased risk of perinatal and postpartum mood 
mood anxiety disorders. Right. So, that um, makes sense. I mean, yeah. when you think of all of the the aspects going into it, you know, when you think of the grief, when you think of the fear, of, of course, that, that, yeah. that just makes so much sense. Yeah. And um, those higher symptoms, you know, they don't just affect you. There are studies that also show that fathers are really affected by this emotional stress of these subsequent pregnancies because they're living with you while you're trying to process and go through all of this. And most women do it alone. So um, it really does affect the entire family dynamic. Um, it's, it's so important and I really want to talk about it as much as I can with people. Um, and then there's also that difference between doula support and family support. You know, um, I, I made the mistake of thinking that I could do it all on my own and I, and I did do it all on my own. I had an awesome support system. It was an amazing experience, but it could have been enhanced <laughs> with doula support. Um, having someone who was trained to actually support me physically and not relying on my family who took a crash course to remember everything they were taught because what happens is we go into a late experience and we're not uh, intermeshed in that experience on a regular basis, Uh, things seem really hectic and um, you panic a little bit and then everything in your brain, it just goes out the window and you just kind of hold tight and hope you can support in the best way you can. But uh, someone with proper training, they're not going to forget about what techniques they can use to possibly help turn that baby or... um, even offer you better physical support to be more comfortable. Um, right. Even the, even the emotional aspect. I mean, yeah. your family is so invested in you. Your family, yes. you know, they, your pain is their pain on so many levels. And so being able to have someone who, who cares and who yes. you know, wants you to have a successful experience, but isn't going to be as affected by like, oh no, she's feeling pain. Like, what do I do? No, I, I'm a professional. I've seen this a number of times. I'm here for you. Exactly. Vast difference. Exactly. Having someone there who's less emotionally involved and properly trained, they can offer psychological support through the entire process. And sometimes family support is too emotionally attached. You can see that pain in their eyes. You can see them looking at you and feeling horrible for you. And you just don't believe them when they say you've got this but somebody who's experienced it who's um not only experienced it for themselves but for uh, with other women and supported other women through these experiences they can look at you and say I know you've got this because I've seen all these other women have it and you're doing an amazing job and everything that's happening right now is supposed to be happening to hear that from somebody who's not quite so emotionally attached. It makes a huge difference. Um, it really does. And then you also have to think about how, when you're in labor, your family is going to be wanting to support you. They're not going to be wanting to set up candles and birth affirmations and make sure your playlist is going. Those were actually things I missed out on in my birth because my family was too busy physically supporting me. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't have nice music (laughs) and we didn't have um, my, my pretty little stack of affirmations uh, set up on the wall. We just, we didn't get the chance to do that. Right. So, um, I, I really like to stress the importance, especially psychologically, to have that extra added support that's continuous through your entire entire birthing experience. It makes it makes a big difference. Oh, I completely agree. And I do feel like sometimes when moms decide 
that, especially in the home birth realm, you know, it's like, oh, well I'm, or even just saying, you know, I've got a midwife. Oh, I have a midwife. I don't need a doula. And that is such a common misconception, you know? Mm-hmm. Because midwives, they have other things to think of. I mean, um, they're thinking about your that well-being, your well-being, the well-being of your baby. They have to pay attention to a lot of stuff that a doula does not. And we can focus on you and everything that you need emotionally and physically through the entire experience. We don't have to stop and take notes and check heart rates. Uh, we, we don't have to deal with all of that. So we, we get to put all of our, our efforts into you. Yep. That's, that's so awesome. And I do want to ask you, so I know, um, you told me earlier, you're getting certified through Dona and still birthday. Would you mind explaining that to the listeners? Yes. Okay. So Dona, um, is actually a very hands-on certification. It's doulas of North America and they're an international organization. They're very well known. Um, but they're very hands-on, um, training. They're very in-depth. It can take up to two years to complete a certification with them. Um, there's coursework, uh, there are required readings and you have to go to a three-day in-person training and then you have, um, have to attend a certain amount of births and have them documented by not only um, your client, but the care provider and the nurse involved. So there's a lot of documentation to make sure that you really receive as much hands-on experience as possible. And then um, Still Birthday is actually an online certification And um, I've been extremely impressed with them. I've been very, very happy to pair that with that hands-on donor certification because it focuses on um, supporting women through any possible experience during their birthing experience, Um, whether that is loss, uh, difficult diagnosis, stillbirth, um, any of that. it forces you into situations to where you have to really prepare yourself for every possibility. And that actually really empowers you to be able to offer better support and, and a normal birth. Um, so yeah, I've been really impressed with still birthday. I feel like Dona and still birthday is a great pairing and I recommend it to anyone that I know. Um, Yeah. And then I'm also working on my childbirth education certification right now through uh, APA, which is the Association for Prenatal and Perinatal Psychology and Health. And they focus, um, they're one of the only organizations that really go into depth on the psychological side, just as much as they do on the physiological side about um, birth and um, the entire period from prenatal through postpartum. And they also cover um, how that baby is affected psychologically through the entire process as well. So it's really, really a very interesting program. I'm loving it. That's fascinating. The, yeah. And especially, you know, not especially, just just as much though, considering the psychological effects on the baby. That's, that's really neat. I'm glad that they kind of cover both sides of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really happy. It's a very well-rounded course. Oh, that is so amazing. Well, Ashley, it's it's so hard to hear when a mother experiences loss. I mean, there's there's no getting around it. It is just it's painful. And the fact though that you have you've taken a very very painful situation, but you've turned it into something that's 
really beautiful and a service to other women. And, and I feel like the fact that you have gone through this, it just makes you, you know, you can empathize so well. And I'm so grateful for, for women just like you who are doing this kind of work all over the place. Thank you. I, um, I'm very passionate about what I do and I really love to know that I make a difference in these experiences because um, birth can be traumatic, but it can also be transformational. And if I can help you have a transformational experience, this is a hinge moment in your life. Nothing will be the same after you experience this. And, um, and if you can make that a transformative, positive experience, um, it's just amazing for everyone, for your child, for yourself. There's just you don't get a second chance at this. And, um, and I, it, it makes a huge difference in your psychology for the rest of your life and um, the rest of your family. And it changes the entire dynamic of things. You're so right that, you know, a lot of times we consider having the baby as the, the finish line, like the end point, but yes. that is entrance. That's the entrance into motherhood. And, mm-hmm. and you're right. It's such a transformative experience. Once you're a mother, whether you have your baby right in front of you or not, you're a mother. You're never not a mother ever again. And to be able to be supported, no matter how that situation comes about is just incredible. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, well, I am so appreciative of you coming on the podcast and sharing all of this information with us, Ashley. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Such a powerful story. Ashley's heart for mothers is so apparent, and I'm incredibly grateful for the work that she's doing. As we round up this episode, I want to focus on one key aspect. When we experience loss, it is okay. Normal and right to grieve. I beg you not to bottle up your feelings. I beg you to seek help and comfort. Ashley mentions that it took her six years to finally start to truly work through her grief. I also want to acknowledge the fact that, gosh, people just don't know what to say, and that can cut so deeply. Phrases that start with, at least, are typically not going to end well. I hope that this can serve as an educating point to those who have not experienced such a situation. Putting ourselves in the shoes of others can be difficult work, but it's always worthwhile. Thank you for tuning in to such a powerful episode, my friends. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Hey, are you finding these stories and interviews helpful? Support the show by heading to myhappyhomebirth.com and purchasing a t-shirt, candles, or even just clicking share on your social media page. Thanks for keeping the podcast going.